I was just saying, I've got yeah. this session down the road, um, and it's and I'm not sure if I'm going to bring a jazz or a P or both, and that's what we're talking about today, right? Yeah, yeah. Is jazz bass versus P bass? Which did you get first? Which like did you get a P bass first or a jazz bass? <gasps> Let me yeah, guess. Okay, Let me so, guess. Okay, it, please. It was guess. a jazz bass, wasn't it? Was it a jazz bass? Well, no, it was a P bass. Oh. Oh. My first bass that I rented, my parents rented me a bass from Music One Workshop in Kalispell, Montana. And it was a P bass. It was either like a Honer or a, not a Hofner. It was some H company. Uh, but it was, you know, an off brand P bass. Yeah. And I remember thinking, because it was a P bass, I remember thinking, like, oh, this thing is. Yeah, I would see other basses, and the one that I had, I just didn't think was any good. And and it was actually kind of an awesome bass. <laughs> I wish I still had it. It was red, I think, with a black pickguard, kind of like your Nate Mandel when you had that oh, bass man. for a while. Yeah, that was a great bass, dude. That was a great bass. That was yeah. one of my best P basses, actually. Yeah, yeah. I, these, I remember uh, when you were playing that a bunch. Yeah, I had yeah, a quarter man. pounder in it. The, the pickup was a Seymour Duncan quarter pounder, and it just had like this yeah. crazy bark to it. It was just like yeah. so aggressive. I mean, like a P bass, yes. but like really aggressive. And I think that <laughs> might have been my first P bass. Oh, maybe no, not. Really? No, no the P bass of Doom, right? Yeah, the P yeah. bass of Doom. Yeah, that was yeah. my first P bass. I had jazz basses before. I had. Right. So my the history of jazz basses, but honestly, I didn't actually have that many real jazz basses. Like the first jazz bass I had was a seventies one. I think it was like seventy seven, seventy eight. Uh, like, like the three really? bolt, yeah, three yes. bolt at the back, heavier than the sun. Like, yes, what was, color? What color was it? Uh, natural, just natural ash, yep, sure. black pit guard. Yep. Man, this thing sounded freaking <laughs> in the mix. In the mix. I, know. I can remember the first yes, time I played dude. it with the band, it was shocking to me. Like I'd sat there and, you know, like it was a friend's and I'd gone around to his place and I played it and yeah, it sounded cool. And I didn't have a jazz bass. I was like, oh yeah, I'll, he, he wanted to sell it. So I was like, yeah, I'll buy it. So I bought it, bought it from him for, for something stupid, like a few hundred dollars, well, a few hundred quid, maybe like. Amazing. 600 pounds or 700 pounds or something like that anyway yeah. so i like played it at home it was cool it was fine but nice but then when the first yep. time i played it in a band and i heard it in the mix i was like yes. oh this is like completely different to anything i've i've played before so before that i'd played a because I was a luthier when I was a kid, you know, when I, I went right. from school to being sort of like an apprentice luthier, because that was my, the, the path that I went on, I kind of ended up playing custom basses kind of like right off the bat. So my first bass sure, was a status. because you were just at Overwater. Exactly. Oh, okay, so my okay. first bass yeah, yeah, was yeah. like this status. And then the second yeah. bass was this six string, like monster <laughs> sort of like overwater bass. And then after Dude. that, I had a 36 inch scale overwater and all of these oh, sort of like custom basses. Yeah. yeah. And they were all active and like that whole thing. So of course. for me, that first jazz bass was just like, wow. Just so cool. Mm. What about you? Yeah. Also, I, I just have to go back to this. I love that status. I'm, I'm just working on my Scott Divine. Status. Status. Because we'd say, status. in the States, we'd say status. Oh, status. status. It's not even status, is it status? <laughs> Sta status. Status. Yeah. You've got like a, it's the soft status. second T, isn't it? Status. Yeah, it's almost like a D. Status. 
Status. I mean, there are probably people that say status, but no, I, I think <laughs> where are my Americans at? No. I bet everybody is going to say, oh, what's the status on that? Like, you know, if you're asking mm. for the status of a report, you're not going to say, what's the status? What's the status on that? What's the status <laughs> what on I'm that, mate? On it, dude. What is the status <laughs> mate. on that? <laughs> oh, mate, what's the status on it? Dude, I always wanted a status space. I, would, I, I always it, thought. I'm looking, where are they from? Are they from the UK? I think so. Yeah, Mark King, oh, yeah, right? I mean, he's so you know, status. Sta- <laughs> yeah, because it's UK. It is status. Status. <laughs> yes. Yeah, man. Level forty-two. I mean, you know, mm. I remember. I remember uh, seeing Mark King, and 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 I feel like he had one that had like maybe light up markers or something at one point and headless. Dude, and yeah, man. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, I went to see Mark King in my local sports center when I didn't know who level forty-two were. Didn't know yeah. who Mark King was. Right. Had never played a bass. I was just sort of like this. My, my, my friend of mine was just like, hey, do you want to come along to this, this concert? I was like, yeah, yeah. And I can remember him like coming to the front of the stage and then suddenly these lights coming off. I was like, I, I was like, <laughs> yeah. what? What the mother of God is this? Like, it was insane. So cool. It was yeah. so cool, yeah. man. It was so yeah. cool, yeah. Oh, it's just the best. I remember, too, I feel like I saw, who did I see? Some kind of, like, mid-2000s rock band. It might have even been, like, 311 or something. I don't know if Peanut ever had um, light up in his Warwick. But I, I think... Oh, I think it was something like that. I can't remember. But yeah, when, you know, the stage lights go down, but then there's still LEDs lit up on the neck. Boy, when cool you're a kid, that is like, yeah, it's just like, cool. Stu Zender had it. it Zender had it. Yeah, yeah Zender, Zender had it. Of course, course man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. dude, Stuart Zender. I mean, oh, holy crap, man. That album, dude. Holy crap. Oh, oh the, the first two or three albums, wasn't it? He like. just changed stuff. Yeah. He's he such a beast. Do you know him? I've never met Do you know him. him. Never met him. Nick mm. knows him. So Nick, the production yeah. manager here at SPL, he knows him. But um, yeah, he he did change stuff. That band, man. Oh, oh dude, Jamiroquai. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So Do good. you have a Jamiroquai recommend? I mean, there's an album of theirs that I love. I didn't get to them until kind of later. After till actually, I I went back to the Zender um, era. So I got into them at a record called Dynamite, which I believe Paul Turner oh, who plays was, with yeah, them now. Paul Turner, yeah. yeah, yeah. But he didn't play everything. I was looking in the liner notes, and there are other there's I think three or four bass players on that record, but Paul played some. But I love that Fife. record. Might be yeah, Nick maybe. Fife on it. Yeah, maybe. Which one I was went that? backwards then Dynamite. to find Zender Dynamite. Oh yeah, that was yeah, 2005. Got... Yeah, dude, yeah. that's a long time ago. Man, 2005. Crazy. <laughs> that's crazy, isn't it? Well, it was. It was this. Yeah. Somebody made this. Somebody like I read this statement somewhere. Let me get it right so I don't butcher it. It yeah. was like wait a minute, like forty. Oh yeah, so nineteen. <laughs> Let me. We're, we're on twenty twenty two, aren't we? So twenty twenty two. I just hate what you're about to say. I just hate the, it already. The, the, the gap between the gap. Yeah. Between, this is bonkers. The <laughs> gap between nineteen forty and nineteen seventy. <laughs> just imagine what happened between nineteen forty and nineteen seventy. Do you know what I mean? Like yes. different freaking worlds. The gap between yes. 1940 and 1970 is the same gap between 1992 and 2022. <gasps> <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's just awful. And just to think like, you know, 1940? I mean, I can't even, I don't even know. Yeah. I because 1940 know. is like ancient, ancient. And the yes. 70s, well, man, everybody's like wearing flares and it was cool. 
It was like yeah, even right. after, like Woodstock had happened, sort of like Hendrix had happened, like Van Halen was <laughs> so, about to erupt. And exactly. like what was happening in nineteen forty? I've got I know. Yeah. Oh, I know. Yeah, some some big band jazz, perhaps. <laughs> you yeah, know? yeah. Oh, man. Like, I mean, people were just starting to play upright bass. Just, yeah. It was like you know, yeah. It's like a the electric bass still away. had eleven years till it was invented in 1940. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah. Leo Fender wasn't even thinking about the electric bass at that time. Crazy! It, it, didn't he get it so right? Didn't he get it so right? Yes. I mean, Crazy. yes. And, you know, it, it's interesting because, like, we're talking about, I mean, we're presumably talking about P-bass versus jazz bass. Or, you know, yeah. P-bass, jazz bass, what pros, cons, all that. The, the crazy thing is, have you ever owned um, that original style, single coil, 51 style P-bass instrument? No. You ever had one of those? You've got one, you, right? Yes. You need to get one. I'm going to... Come on, get out. If anybody's listening to this, by the way, we are going to be getting some bases out. We're going to be looking at them so you can go and (laughs) you can actually watch this on the website. Yeah, watch it on the website. This is not a real one. This is a custom shop. But when the bass guitar as an instrument turned 50 in 2001, which is 21 years ago, the, the custom shop made some really dead on recreations of these slab bodied, you know, single coil pickup, telly headstock, blonde kind of, you know, uh, no caster vibe with the black yeah. guard. And the thing that I would say about this instrument is it just puts everything into context. So like when you're playing another bass, if you have some some reference on one of these there's like a kind of a woody hollow bark to these instruments that's so cool and when you kind of know what that is it's then fun to see like oh yeah and then the p bass changed p bass really changed in 57 to that Mm. you know split coil thing what we we know today and to contrast the two is so interesting um, and to me, this instrument sounds more like the neck pickup on a jazz bass than it does a, uh-huh. the P bass that we all know and love. Yet, yeah. of course, it's still called the precision bass. And I love this fact. I'm sure you know this, Scott, that it was called the precision bass because it had frets so you could play it yeah. precisely in precisely tune. Precisely in tune. Exactly. Yes, yeah. Precisely. Wild, isn't it? Yeah. Is the, ne- <laughs> yeah. is the neck on the, is the neck on the early ones really fat? It is less, so the nut width, I believe, I might be wrong about this, but the nut width on the early 51 style is slightly um, narrower than the P-Base oh. of Doom, or, you know, than the than what they became in the 60s. They became 1.75 inches, yeah. I believe. Yeah, and What do you call that in millimeters? Yeah. 44 mil, I think. 44, 44 mil, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, but but the cool thing about... Well, I think it's cool. The the original 51s, they're pretty baseball batty front to back. And I know you like mm. a wide, thin neck. This I like is them almost thin the, front to back, yeah. Yes. This is almost the inverse. You may not love this neck. It's a little thinner at the nut, but front to back, it's pretty thick. It's and pretty there's just thick, something, yeah. though, about it. Like, in the hand, it feels substantial. I don't know. Um, but yeah. it, it's it's an instrument that I really love. I really fell in love with this style of P-Bass, probably more mm. so than the traditional one, probably because it reminds me a little more of a jazz bass, honestly. Really? What, the sound of it? Yeah. Yeah, like the neck pickup on a jazz bass, because it's that single coil, it's sort of like a little bit thinner, 
Um, but I don't know. It just, it has a really cool character with flats. It just has this woody thing. I mean, I did, you know, the, I want you back video for SBL. That was mm. all on this base. Oh, that sounded it's, amazing. It's yeah, just a different vibe. Yeah. Thanks, man. It's just a different vibe. Yeah. And the, the guy, um, Wilton Felder, who played that bass line, um, everyone thinks it's Jamerson, right? But it's this sax player for the Crusaders, the Jazz Crusaders <laughs> named Wilton Felder. And he played it on a, on a sixties precision bass, but it was a precision bass like this, that, you know, the uh, telly bass. They reissued the it bit, in the yeah. late sixties and called it the Telecaster bass to differentiate wow. it from the precision. Anyway. Amazing. Oh, <laughs> so, so if somebody like, I, I guess if somebody's thinking about buying a P bass, would you recommend definitely checking these out? The, the early ones as well? Cause obviously you can get reissues. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, and Squire actually makes a really excellent one. So you don't have to spend a ton of money. I don't, here's the thing. I just think it's important to know what it is. I think it's important to play it like all the kind of thumbprint bases, like to have really gone through some time playing a P, playing a jazz, playing some kind of short scale hollow body, like all yeah, of the yeah. things, playing a fretless, playing a five string. I think it's actually really important like to check out, maybe you don't have to own all of those things, but just play one sometime. If there's one on the wall and you think, oh, I'd never like that early 50s thing, play it and see yeah. if you can kind of get into the vibe of what it is. Because it just, like I say, it just contextualizes everything. So you don't have to go buy it, but but definitely play one. And it's different sure. to it, it's. I guess it's different to what people stereotypically hear in their mind when they're thinking about a P bass. As you said, it's just it's a yes. single coil pickup, so it doesn't sound stereotypically like a no. regular P bass. Yeah, right. It's it's thinner and woodier, but you, then you almost hear there's just a cool character in the high end and mid range, and you know it's not trying. It was the first one. <laughs> it was the first stab at it, which is so <laughs> wild. Um, but I, I love to like play it and. And think about like wow man what must Mont montgomery have been thinking you know when he plugged into this thing and went from the upright to this thing it was such a crazy change you know so, yeah um yeah it's just everybody that played these i just think man the bravery of going you know being like laughed at for you know you're you're playing this kind of weird guitar thing now yeah, you know yeah. and you're not playing your big upright bass and i just i love that i love the history of this instrument and how it kind of overcame the trials and tribulations of it being kind of like well there's bass and there's fender bass you know that thing you know there was yeah. like there was like oh do you play bass? Well, do you also play Fender bass? Like, what kind of bass do you play? In Fender bass, they call I'm a it electric Fender bass. Ba yeah, yeah. People <laughs> yeah, used to yeah, say yeah. I'm a Fender bass player. I, I like yeah. I'm a Fender bass. Like, I, like Danny Mo Morris. I can remember reading his um, biography on his site or somewhere, or or, or maybe. It was Berkeley, it was like a reference that Berkeley were yeah. writing about him, and they specifically, whatever you know, whatever bit of text it was, referred to him as a Fender bass player. I was like, <laughs> I love that, I love That's killer. it. That's yeah, That is so cool. Yeah, yeah. I'm a Fender bass like, player. You know, yeah, go we on, talked about that too, like early, you know, early on, where like brands that start something just are like in, in the States, I don't know if you have this, but like a Kleenex, like not a lot of people say, hand me a tissue. They say, Oh, you know, yeah, yeah. hand me a Kleenex and that, but that's a yeah. brand. And also I think I told you this before, but Coke in the South just refers to all soda. So any <laughs> yeah. kind of soda, like you want a Mountain Dew Coke, 
You want a uh, you want a Sprite Coke? You want a root beer Coke? You know, <laughs> that is amazing. Your accent yeah, is so good. I just know that you're so great with accents, man. It's so funny. <laughs> I'm just working on yours because because some we're gonna pull the old switcheroo. You just need to be working on your American accent. You just need to be oh, saying shit. status and and going to see the movie Dune. <laughs> Dune, 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 status, Dune. It's yeah. so funny. Like it's yeah. It's I imagine sort of like the the English. It sounds quite everything's pronounced quite correctly in a way you know it's very crisp isn't it where everything yes. everything's kind of smooth and cool with, a, with american <laughs> accents i mean like well doomed. except we do our r's like i hear Met, you know meta, i hear you meta m- meta yeah you say meta meta meta. <laughs> <laughs> meta i love it though meta meta say it again <laughs> meta <laughs> yeah meta. it's awesome and I yeah. love that you say you're going to tune your bass. That's the oh, best. tune it up. Who's gonna? Who's got a tuner? Who's, tuna. who's got a tuner? Yeah. <laughs> Who, who's got a tune? Who's got a tuner? <laughs> I, I forgot to, my tuner. I, I forgot my tuner. <laughs> Dude, I'm working on my. I'm working on my divine man. Okay, now you gotta. You gotta do. You gotta do an Alice and say, "Hey, who's got the tuner?" Hey. <laughs> hey. Who's got the tuna? Who's got the ah? Uh, I'm, I'm just crap. no. You got it. You got to get the say. R at the end. Check it out. Hey, who's got the tuner? Who's got the tuner? Tuner. <laughs> tuner. Yes. Hey, yeah. Like it's the oh, tuner. Man, it's hard. Yeah. A friend of mine is great. He's great with accents. He's oh, great I with love accents. it, dude. Oh, I love anyway, it. I love it. P P basses and jazz basses, <laughs> yeah. right? For anybody yeah. that's for anybody that's dialing in and they're thinking and they're legit thinking. And maybe they were like me back when I hadn't played a jazz bass. Yeah, I hadn't actually, yeah. you know, and played it in the mix. Yeah. Like, yeah. I guess, what's the big difference? What do you see? Because the, they're, they're wildly different basses. Like, they're wildly, wildly different. different. They're yes. wildly different. So if people have never played one before, how do they choose, I guess, which one to gravitate towards? Oh boy. I mean, you know, I said that I started on a P bass and I, I had this weird trajectory of I started on a P bass and then I even, the first three basses that I bought were all Yamaha P basses. There was like an RBX and then I had a Billy Sheehan bass for a while. Oh, yes. Um, okay. I had it for a long time actually. And then I just always, for me, I gravitated toward players that were playing jazz basses. So I saw Getty Lee, right? Mm. And, and Marcus Miller. There was something about the jazz bass, the crispness that I really responded to. And it could have been for me, like the grass is always greener, but I was on these P basses and they felt kind of sluggish to me. Now I came to really appreciate that later, the big meaty tone and kind of, they're maybe yeah. a little bit harder to play. But going from a P bass to a jazz bass in the beginning for me, what I noticed was, wow, the P bass necks are a little wider, a little bigger. I'm getting kind of like a, there's a bigger bassier sound, but there's maybe a little bit more detail in the note, even though maybe a jazz bass is a touch quieter. You kind of have to maybe goose your amp or a pedal or something. Yeah. yeah. Um, the neck felt maybe a little bit easier to get around. And I just had this feeling young that it was like a step up that it was sort of like um 
going from you know a, a, a rusty pickup truck, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> to to a to a you know a fine fancy uh, automobile, right? Like some kind yeah. of you know a race car, and and then later I'm like, oh well, the race car is not good for everything. Um, but that's how I perceived it is like there's a crispness of tone. There's more tonal options. You can get that Jocko thing in the bridge. Mm. You can still get kind of a warm thing out of the neck pickup. Marcus Miller slap vibe out of both pickups turned up on full. And I just sort of thought, oh, this is it's got more options. It's easier to play. It's brighter. And I also, if I'm honest, I just thought they looked cool. Like, I love the offset body and how, yeah, like how everything presents on a jazz bass. I fell in love, too, with, like, I don't know, trying to think of some other jazz bass players, like Daryl Jones playing with Mm. Sting. I saw that and thought, like, oh, this guy, and he played a cool jazz bass. And anyway, that's what I perceived to be the major difference, like, at least in the beginning, how I kind of assessed the two. How about you? Oh, what was the question? I can't remember what the Sorry, question the was. Quest, the question is, like, how would you describe, how would you describe the difference? Or I, I, Maybe I'm rephrasing it. How would you describe the difference or, or talk about your first experiences with the difference between the two? First experiences, oh, that's a, yeah, I've got a lot to say. Um, yeah. So in terms of sort of like, I guess I'll... I'll, I'll say what was on the top of my mind and then we'll work backwards because I think yeah, please. It's, it's an interesting please. thing to say. It's an interesting yes. thing to say. Or at least I think it is, right? Um, is that live, I've definitely, st- even though like I really love P basses and I think I'm in my mind, I, I hear the P bass more than a jazz bass. Yeah. When I'm thinking about bass. I hear the, I hear the yeah. P bass more, but I've definitely struggled live with the P bass more than mm. a jazz bass. So for instance, for context, I've been in certain situations with a P bass where I thought it was the, the bass to take. Yeah. But I found like, oh, it's just not articulate enough to cut through in this specific yes. situation, right? Right. So, so I've, so even though I love the P bass, I'm definitely a P bass player. I've, I've just, I've been in situations where I'm like, mm, yeah, this is, I'm struggling a little bit with the sound to make it actually cut through enough. Like, sure. like in the studio, it might have killed it, but just right. right there in that scenario with in that room, I'm just like, man, I can, it's just sort of like, it's so bassy. It's like you know, a tugboat. It's, it's, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Where, and I've never had that on the jazz bass. I've <clears> never <throat> had, I've, I've been, you know, I've gigged with the jazz bass and thought, oh, I wish I brought my P bass along, but just really to, to kind of just sort of like, you know, have a different vibe on the, you know, when I was playing on the gig or whatever, I wasn't struggling with the jazz bass. I wasn't like, oh, I can't, yes. I can't make it work for me on this particular gig because I would be able, you know, I can just put the neck pickup on the jazz bass and I can get somewhat of a P bass sound by doing that. And I think that the right. neck pickup on a jazz bass sounds wicked. Like, yeah, I absolutely love that sound. Yeah, it sounds me wicked, too. right? Yeah. So, yeah, so it's, I guess it's, it's, in that, I think that if you were just going to have one bass, if I was just yep. going to have one bass and I was going to be playing it in the studio and live, I actually might gravitate towards a jazz bass just because really? of, because of the versatility of it. Yeah, yeah, because of the yeah. versatility of it, and because of my experience of being in some situations where I'm just like, ah, oh, I just can't get it to do what I need it to do. Right. That said. I do love the P bass. I love yes. P bass players. You know, like I just there's something about the tone that just it just it's like a warm hug. 
And, and maybe yes. that's the problem sometimes. Maybe it's like, right. it is like a warm hug and you need something that's like a little crunchier or whatever. That, that's but, a slap. Um, you know, you need a slap yeah, across the yeah. face, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. But I, um, but I do love pea bases. And my main recommendation for anybody would be to obviously just go try one, you know, try yeah, them because they're very different beasts. And jazz basses are more versatile. You've got a bridge pickup, you've got a neck pickup, you've got both pickups on all at once. So you can get like a combination of sounds. Um, they're easier to play as well. Mm-hmm. Like it, like legit. I mean, they're just easier to play, yes. aren't they? If you want to sort of like do some pyrotechnics and like zoom up and down the fring- fingerboard or whatever, like you can do it on a P bass for sure. You can do it on an upright bass. I've seen like, you know, some amazing players do that on an upright. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> right. it's, it, yeah, exactly. But it's more, of a physical experience on a P bass trying really to is. get around. Yeah. And some kind of lines, I guess that the, on both bases, they, as any instrument, I think, and I'm wildly interested in this actually, um, is they both kind of lend themselves to a different kind of experience and meaning that when you play it, you're going to play differently. You might, yes, it might that's not so happen. Great. Yeah, it might not happen straight away. So if you've been playing jazz bass for like three years and you've mm-hmm. never played a P bass, you will pick, pick up a P bass and you will play it just like you've been playing the jazz bass, right? Right. But if you sit with that P bass and you play it every day for like the next three months, six mm-hmm. months, it will actually start to dramatically change how you approach playing that yes. specific instrument. Not yes. the jazz bass. You might, you might keep that jazz bass thing going on. But what it does is it just makes you approach the instrument in a completely different way, which I think is wild. Yes, I'd love that. And and there's something, too, to let yourself... I, I would say, too, that like not everyone feels that because they, they maybe think that they have a thing and they're going to just bring that thing to whatever instrument. But I really love this idea of letting the instrument, you know, accommodating the instrument change your technique, change your hand position. What does the instrument want from you? Mm. I think that way about pedals too, instead of just plugging into a pedal and playing all your licks, like what does the pedal, what's going to make the pedal sound the best? What type of playing, soft playing, hard playing, neck pickup, flat wounds, right? And I think that about the P bass too, like you plug into a P and you play it and it just feels like each note has more weight or something. So instead, you know, maybe I'd play a on a jazz bass, but on a P I'd want to go, you know, I want to play like a little less because each note has just a little more like gravity, you know? And I yeah, love that. Yeah. I love that about how the way a P bass makes me kind of play just a little more economical. Like, I don't feel like I need to play as many notes because the P- each note is just like wham on a P bass. And it's so it's cool. It's so wide, isn't it? Yes. Like the note's really wide. And, and it almost, just because of the tone, because it, you haven't got the articulation that you have with a jazz bass, even if you do play a bit busier, it just doesn't have the same vibe, right? Yes, it, it, it kind totally. of sounds cool on a jazz bass, but the opposite <laughs> sounds cool on a P bass. Just yeah, like, right. Fat and just big and just. I've got yeah. a great story. Mike League told me. So Mike League, obviously oh, yeah. from Snarky Puppy, he's in a yeah. He's a out and out P bass guy, right? Oh god, damn, he's so good as well. <laughs> oh, oh, he's so incredible. I know. He's incredible. He's incredible. Yes. Yeah. It's it's actually frightening. Like I think that it sometimes goes missed of how I know. incredible I he is. And I, if anybody's like, "What do you mean?" It, it sounds a bit like Mike is like. If you think about all of the bass players that are sort of like 
you know, known for being kind of frightening. Like you automatically think about all of the pyrotechnicians, right? Like the yes. the the Victor Wooten, the Billy Sheehan, the the John Patitucci, the these guys with ferocious chops, right? But Hadrian. Mike Lee Hadrian, exactly, right? Yeah. But Hadrian has, I mean, um, Mike League has got something that is like I just haven't seen in many players at all. He's got this crazy consistency of time. Yes. Like he's He's like every single thing he plays. There's no kind of like he never plays a note out of place, and it's I'm not. And, yes. and even even when he's playing sort of like something that's sort of like quite complex or whatever, it's just he nails it, and it's just <laughs> so freaking yes. perfect. And he's also really, um, in terms of like if you were like, hey Mike, just like play this groove round E. He's got this really great harmonic knowledge. And he's amazing yeah. at accessing this around the instrument. He's just a really, really great bass player. But I'm a musician, yeah. I mean, yes, just yes, a great that's right. player. Anyway, all that to say. So I'm speaking to Mike, and he's telling me this. My, my question to Mike was, when did you start playing a P bass? And he was like, oh, I used to have a Ken Smith four string. Yes. Um, and I guess that is a Ken Smith four string. If anybody hasn't played one or heard one before, it's, it doesn't sound anything like a jazz bass, but it definitely has got the articulation, um, the articulation, uh, what's the word? I guess sort of, it, it, it's similar in the way that you could play funky 16th note grooves and stuff on a jazz bass. It's going to sound cool. Same thing on a Ken Smith. You're going to yeah, get punchy these, and bright. Super yes. punchy, super bright, and it's got this great, it's great bass, obviously, you know. And actually, when Mike came to Leeds, because Mike lived in Leeds for a while, yeah. he was at Leeds University doing some sort of like student um, swap program. He had his Ken Smith, and I can remember oh, people cool. saying, yeah, yeah, I can remember sort of like being on gigs, and people were like, oh, there's this cool guy come over from Texas State, and he's uh, he's like got a four-string. I can remember saying, this is a legit... Yeah, oh, I like, can't wait. I can remember saying, yeah. oh, what does he play? And, uh, and my mate Gaz went... He was like, oh, he's got like a four-string Ken Smith. And I was like, yeah, but it's not a four-string. Right? In my mind, I didn't say it out loud. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I mean, you I just instantly like, oh, judged yeah. him. You're like, not enough yeah, strings. Instantly. Yeah, not enough <laughs> strings. Yeah. <laughs> For anybody thinking That's I'm a complete great. dick, I was only 22. <laughs> and apparently, like, I think that when you're 22, oh. a lot of us are dicks. So there you go. Yeah, but of anyway, course, so, yes. Of course, with no life experience. So he had, <laughs> yes. that, he had that Ken Smith, and people actually said the same thing about him i was like oh what kind of a player is he and people were like oh like he's not got like loads of chops or anything like that but they just said he makes everything sound great and he knows yeah. all the tunes they were just like yes. he just knows all of the tunes i was like yes. oh wow interesting anyway so all that same speaking to mike about when he first started playing the p bass and he was like yeah originally i played a ken smith four string and he said and he was on tour with snarky puppy um, I think maybe like their first tour that they ever did, uh, which is essentially all them guys in a van, just driving, yeah. cruising around yeah, right. in the van, you know what right. I mean? Falling out, doing a gig and then yes. back in the van. And <clears throat> and they're on a gig and Tim LaFave is also on the gig doing, yeah. I think he might have been doing Boomish or something with um, Zach Danzig. or something. I can't remember the band he was playing with, but Tim's on the gig. He's obviously playing a P bass. Yeah. And Mike's, Mike's um, bass breaks. It's Ken Smith. Something happens to it. And he's like, oh, shit. So he goes to Tim, who he's like a massive nerdy fan of. And he's like, hey, Tim. 
can I can I please borrow your bass for this gig? Yes. Um, and we're on before. I think they they were on before them. And Tim was like, "Yeah, man, go for it." Yeah. Anyway, so he plays the gig on the P bass. Yeah. And he said, and he comes off, and the, he said, like the band, all of the band were just like, "Dude, you sounded way better on that P bass." <laughs> You just sounded right. way better on the P bass. Oh. And he said, and I sounded better, he said, because he said the action was big. So I couldn't play any kind of sort of like weird wiggly stuff. He said the action was big and it was a P bass. And he said, so all I could play was just yeah. the parts. And he right. was like, and he just thought, I'm going to commit to that and went and got a P bass. And then obviously now the rest is history. He always plays a P bass. But that's how I he know. got into it. And that's kind of, you know, my own experience to a certain extent with the P bass. Um, but I guess it, an interesting thing just to throw in there, and you know this already, is that I actually hated P basses to start with. So I yeah. got that jazz bass, you know, as we talked about earlier, you got the jazz bass. The P bass yep. came way later for me when I was, when I'd started SBL. I'd just started Scott's yeah. bass lessons and there was like a bunch of guys that were just ferociously, um, tearing up, you know, over the fingerboard. They had E to C basses. Remember the era? Everybody had Federa single cuts. Yes. You know, tenor, tenor fives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody had that sort of like Guizdala was doing the, his first podcast. And I can remember oh, yeah. like legit saying <laughs> yeah. somebody, what the heck is a podcast? And they told me, and I was like, that makes no yeah, sense. Man. I was like, that yeah. makes no sense. I was like, somebody just talking out into the void. Yeah, man. Yannick yeah. was doing that stuff so early. I, I remember man, he that. Was trailblazing, yeah, sure. yeah. He was like, shout yeah. out to him, man. He was absolutely trailblazing with that stuff really at yes. his time. And, um, and, and in that era, I was trying to sort of like get on YouTube and sort of like do my thing. And I was like, well, who the frick is going to want to look at me? Uh, they're going to be mm. like, yo, here's this sort of like English dude with his E to C bass. And they're going to be like, yeah, but there's a, there's a sea of other uh, bass players yes. that are also playing E to Cs and right. all went to Berkeley for like, for like 150 years and they can play giant steps in their sleep. And I'm like, well, you know, I can join that crowd and try and be that thing, or I can just do something completely different and come at it a, a An different unexpected. way. Unexpected. An unexpected way, yeah. And yeah, I, in my mind, I thought, yeah. what is the what is the polar opposite to that? And I was like, <laughs> a P bass is the polar opposite to that. So, so cool. So I went and bought. It's so a P cool. Bass. I love that story. Yes, and it freaking work, dude. It worked like. That P bass was just sort of like it, I feel bonded to that P bass man, like the P bass of Doom. That was, I think, my first. Yeah. P bass. Do you have it yeah. back there? Yeah, man. I've been yeah. playing it today. You gotta, yeah, you got to grab it. I mean, this was the bass too that I remember first seeing you with. Like this bass was the one that I was like, "Whoa, look at this jazz dude playing this cool Fender Relic." I mean, just the vibe of it, just the photo look at was this. compelling yeah oh. it's so sick it's so good it's so good yeah. the guy i bought it off actually tried to buy this back off me yeah i bet i felt sorry for him actually because he was working at a um he was working at um a, a like a fender dealer in the uk and he yeah. wanted to get his uh heavy relic done so he worked with so he just ordered this heavy relic and at the time you could actually I guess sort of like send them designs and stuff of what you want. So there was that process going on. And that, oh, this sure. is one of the yeah. last bases that, that had that <sighs> done. So 
And he so said it pretty cool. much ended up with just one guy. So he said, even though it's a custom shop, one guy actually made it. So it's more like a master build, master build, master build. Yeah. Just look at the cracks and stuff. Oh, dude, when oh, you play so this, cool. you'll be like, oh, and I've got the, I've got the Mulan neck on, obviously. I know. When you did that, I was like, sacrilege, sacrilege. I know, I know. I actually, I, I want to take the, uh, I want to take the neck off and put it on, put the Alinto on it, but I, I can't do that to the guys at Alinto. So I need oh them to make gosh, me another dude. neck. I need them to make Listen. me another neck to put it on this base. Because the Alinto neck the is Alinto like guys? the best. Yeah. The, it's oh, the best yeah. neck I've played. It's the yeah. best neck. It's you should. so good. I know, but you I don't want to take off the Alinto body. Yeah, I, I want to get a, uh, yeah, an yeah, Alinto yeah, yeah. neck. But yeah, it's just, just a neck, man. Yeah. <gasps> that Alinto base, oh. though, dude. It actually, I, need to I hate play to say all it. Your P bases. Dude, yeah. it, it, it's, it's better than the custom shop. It, yeah. it is like yeah, yeah it right. really is like it's just there's something kind of sort of like <laughs> really so cool. amazing about it just like yeah man i got anyway. to go to that shop uh and play a few of their instruments and they had like a 51 style p bass that was like green or, or daphne blue you know kind of like a cool old like oh yeah, 50s yeah. car color and it was amazing and i wish Dude, that we should I, get I wish mitch that i on this. bought it we should get mitch on <laughs> this show yeah on the podcast yes yeah mitch so is amazing does, yeah like tell the guys about mitch Mitch, the bass player on Instagram, yeah. uh, he works at the guitar shop in NYC uh, and is part of the Alinto team and part of um, the Labella string team. And he's, he's a phenomenal player and a phenomenal hang. He was so sweet to me, man. Like, I came into New York, and I was checking out a, a different bass at a different shop. I was checking out a bass at David Gage, which is actually, like, a traditional, oh, yeah, like, yeah. upright shop. Yeah. And he and I put it on Instagram, and he saw that, and he's like, what? What are you doing there? He's like, fine, but you also have to come here. And it was really <laughs> sweet, man. You know, I was like, I don't know. Like, uh, and so I did and got to hang out with Moss and, and those guys and James. Uh, and, and it was just a, a great hang. But yeah, man, the Olinto stuff is, is ferocious. Like really, yeah. really cool instruments. They make a jazz bass now too. I was going to say that I started doing jazz basses. Yeah, right? man. Right. And, and I keep bugging Mitch because he's a P bass guy too. And I keep like, oh man, you need a jazz bass whenever he's playing a jazz bass. <laughs> I'm like commenting like, yeah, man. I mean, dude, so, so check this out for the, so what happened to me is I had this epiphany with just passive instruments in general. And I know that we're not talking about active versus passive, but my road to the P bass was first started by, I did a studio session with this amazing producer named David Bendith. David, if you ever listen, you changed my life. David Bendith grew up in Canada and then was A&R and I think maybe even president of Arista or oh, I might be getting that wrong. David, if you're listening, rolling your eyes, I'm so sorry. But he was a big <laughs> deal, right? And he was also a killing yeah, yeah. guitar player and producer. And then he became known for doing like hard rock records. He did a Paramore records, some records for a Brooklyn band called Candiria that I love. And he worked with my band. I was in a band called Down and Above. And he worked with us uh, out in Hoboken, New Jersey, just, you know, uh, across, uh, across the way from New York City uh, in this great studio. And I had an experience where I had brought these active basses to play. I had a modulus bass and it looked like a jazz bass. I'll never forget. He was like, bring a, just bring a passive Fender. And I said, okay. Yeah. Like, oh, right. You know? And I, I said, yeah. And then I think I said something like, I've got something even better, you know? And he was like, oh, boy. <laughs> and I show up and I have a modulus bass and it was a cool bass, right? But it was very yeah. bright, very like clinical sounding. And I played it and he let me play it on the record, which was cool. And then he said, do you, you, cause I said something to him about wanting to do sessions. And he said, 
Um, have you ever played like a passive? I said, oh, a long time ago, but I'm graduated past that now. Like, I'm not using passive stuff anymore. <laughs> you know, and he said, you know, let's do something. He said, grab that bass off the wall. And it was a sage green made in Mexico Fender jazz bass. Probably at the time it was $550 at Guitar yeah. Center. And I, I rolled my eyes and went, all right. And I grabbed it and plugged it in. And he just pulled up a, the track that I had played on. Yeah. And he, you know, got the, got the gain set correctly because it was a little quieter but now he's he's boosting the Neve preamp that he's going into to accommodate. So he's <laughs> using more of his cool gear, you know? And I started to play, and immediately I had this, like, gut drop of, like, <gasps> oh. Like, it felt like there was a chewiness in the mid-range. I could hear the texture of the notes. Like, it felt like it sat better. We weren't trying to deal with a weird clicky high end that was kind of interfering with the transient of the kick drum. Mm. It was just what you should play. (laughs) And I went, oh. And he said something to me that really changed my trajectory. He said, look, you don't have to change your thing for this band. Like this band, you can play whatever bass. It's your band. You can play whatever bass you want. But if you endeavor to play sessions, you not only need to tolerate the classics, you actually need to fall in love with the classics. So Mm. not like, oh, passive P bass, whatever. Yeah, I guess I have one in case someone asks for it. No, no, no. You actually have to listen to that music. Listen to Jamerson. Fall in love with the way that sounds in that music. It's context. It's lame, right? It's about contextualizing the sound. And with a jazz bass, fall in love with that passive jazz bass thing that Getty was using or that really amazing sound that Marcus was getting on those early records. And, you know, like... Hoffner, fall in love with Macca's playing with a Hoffner. Just all the thumbprints, he said, you have to learn how to love them, not tolerate them. And I thought, wow, that was really good advice. And then what it did for me is it just created, I said, oh, well, I need to get my passive bass knowledge together. So I was really, I was checking out jazz basses. What kind of one do I want? What era? Then I was checking out P basses. Can I show you my P bass? Oh, Um, dude, yeah. Show us all your bases. I have a few, but this this base is uh, a 1965 Fender Precision that I got from Norman's Rare Guitars uh, before the prices doubled. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. and it's it's a big 44 mil. I think did I get that right? Is it 44 yeah, mil? Yeah, 44. Yeah, 44 yeah. mil. And I've got a, a selection of different Labella flats because I like different gauges of the different mm. sets. But it is just it's in beautiful shape. People always think that it's a uh, uh, that it's a reissue, uh, but it's a real 65. Is that because it's just it's, in such great shape? Yeah, you know, everybody's yeah. like, oh, is that a custom shop or, you know, just like an American reissue? And some yeah. sometimes on a gig, I'd say, yes. <laughs> to get stolen. <laughs> uh, uh, but it's it's so cool. And I don't play it a ton, but when I do, it's always for the thing that, like, it needs to... it needs to be a P bass. If it needs to be a P bass with flats, this thing comes out and then I go, gosh, why am I not playing this all the time? It's just such a fabulous lane. It's a fabulous lane. When you play a P bass, where do you, is there a sort of like a, I guess like a, what are you doing with the tone control? Do you have it all the way up? Do you have it all the way off or do you kind of ride it up and down depending on the line? I sometimes ride it, but honestly, live, it's always all the way open because of that thing we're talking about. Sometimes, you know, the tugboat, uh, 
it, yeah. it's hard to maybe if the room is kind of boomy or yeah. hasn't been treated i want the most articulation i can out of a p so i usually do the tone control up unless i'm if i'm in the studio then i'm yeah. playing with the tone control Dude, a bit me exa- yeah, yeah, exactly same, the same, same yeah, thing? Yeah. yeah same yeah, yeah, yeah. thing like yeah play it at home i'm like oh like, yeah i like the tone down a bit but if you're on a gig it's like you just can't hear it right it's just like yeah I know sometimes, yeah, it's so true. Unless the room is perfect and the engineer is perfect. I had an experience too, man, where I played with this artist, Gavin DeGraw, um, who's like a pop, um, kind of like R&B, maybe tiny bit country uh, artist in the States. And I brought a P bass with flats. I have a a 58 um, reissue. Mm. that was made by the custom shop here that I usually have rounds on, but I had, I had flats on it and I thought, yeah. And someone's made the reference Pino, yeah. you know, I thought, Oh yeah. P base with flats. And I will <laughs> never forget, man. I brought that out and we played, we played a big, big show opening for Billy Joel and a front of house said, man, what are you, what are you doing with your tone? And I said, Oh, I mean, you know, the tone was wide open and, yeah. and I said, Oh, I'm, I mean, I'm kind of going for like a, like a darker thing. The MD was talking about that. And he was like, Oh, it's just the last guy played a really bright bass. And so this is just a real paradigm shift. And I thought, man, it is harder to get away. I find same to you, uh, with a P bass with flats, especially live. If the, if the conditions aren't absolutely ideal for yeah. it, you Agreed. know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like, yeah, for sure. For sure. Like I've got, and, and rounds on a P obviously sound amazing as well. That's, That's kind of so sort of cool. like, the, yeah. if you're going to be working as a studio bass player, you need the, you know, flats on one P and, and you know, if you look at, um, Sean Hurley or John Button, two guys that come to mind for me as them sort of like stereotypical monster session players down yes. in LA, both of them have got like P basses with flats and rounds and yes. they've got a jazz bass. And they've yep. often got a semi-acoustic or Rickenbacker yeah. or something like that. You know, this yeah. is, oh, something man. has an, a different choice. <laughs> yeah. Can I, can I tell you one other thing when I was, and I will, I would like to hear this too, because you've kind of encountered a bit of a change recently. Um, like I don't see you playing as much P-Bass recently. So I want to ask you a couple of questions, but first I just want to say this. I went through this thing where I said, Okay, I guess I need to be a P bass bass player because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm doing sessions and I'm on the road. There was a moment for me where even though jazz bass was really home for me, I was like, well, Sean Hurley's talking about, there's a great thing for Fender where Sean said something like, P bass is a real man's instrument. I don't know if you ever saw that interview, but it's, it's, dude, like, I love Sean Hurley, but that is such a, like, a preposterous thing to say. But I kind of felt it. Yeah, I know. I, I felt it. I was like, oh, am I not a real? man Sean <laughs> I mean it was just so funny and and I thought but it really kind of stuck with me him saying that it was such a bold assertion and I was like oh I need okay I need to become a p-bass guy there's even a video of me playing with the noble preamp that they have up on their website where I'm saying you know p-bass with flats is the thing that I do for 90 percent of you know because I was really <laughs> trying to be you that guy be that guy and yeah. it was at that time I was p with flats and I was kind of struggling with it in the mix a little bit and whenever i would play a j i would just go oh this is this is home i have you know a 78 jazz antigua let me grab it 
Oh, um, grab that. Well, I love the Antigua finish. Yeah. I can't believe yeah. that you, like, some people don't like this finish. It's freaking yeah. awesome. Those, those <gasps> so people good. are crazy. Those people yeah, are per- crazy. Perverse. We don't trust. We don't trust those people. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it is a really polarizing finish. I happen to think it's beautiful. It reminds me of, you know, my, my grandparents, uh, uh, like kitchen appliances in yeah, the, yeah. you know, in the sixties. Yeah. Um, but you know, I bought this base and I played this thing a bunch in the like early two thousands. And then I'm like, Nope, I, I'm not a real man. I guess I got to play a P base. And I will tell you when I went back to, to really taking a jazz out when I felt like it was the right thing. Now I will obviously play a P bass and a studio thing if it's the right thing, but I hardly ever gig with one. And if I can play the J and I feel like it can be the right thing, I've just decided to re embrace this. It was like kind of coming yeah, back yeah. to an aspect of my youth or a really formative period for me where I was really finding my sound. This was like the first passive instrument that I mm. really connected with. And I have, um, this one as well, which a, a lot of people, if you follow me on Instagram, have seen this one. It's the the oh, that's my sunburst. favorite one actually. Is if it's, you had to have one, which would you take? I would take the Antigua because it, it was my first one. I really? would, yeah, yeah, I would. It's my favorite. It's like your, uh, it's like it's a seventy eight. So it's the same oh, year as it. we are, or at least that yeah. I am. We're yeah, the same, yeah. right? Seventy eight. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and you had you're talking about that natural jazz that you had. I mean, same year and same, mm. just wicked. It's so heavy, <laughs> but it's what I you know I've talked about this some. This bass is um, not perfect. In fact, it's very flawed. It has big neck pocket gaps. The pickups are kind of weak. It's super heavy. The workmanship is you know a little. Shoddy, but it's what I learned on. It's how I learned how to hear a passive Fender instrument. And so I just yeah. bonded with it. And then whenever I would try to beat it with like a better uh, custom shop version or a better year or something, it just never worked. What's um, the other one? What's the Sunburst th- one? This is a 68. And oh, this 68, one has flats. And so this is what I use almost all the time when I'm, I'm doing like... Um, synth stuff because it's just so mellow the sound of this bass it has really old flats on it and it's just like beautiful and even um and it's a great sort of controller for the synth stuff i do and it really kind of leans that old school original uh 50 style p bass sound with just the neck pickup which i love but then of course you can you know blend the pickups dude it looks so cool doesn't it it does it does so cool (laughs) i mean check this out this was from an era you can see it in the natural where they sprayed clear coat over the natural and then (laughs) sprayed the nitro over the clear coat and then what happened is all the all the paint just came off the clear coat so late 60s um fenders are typically like this beat they're typically so trashed because the paint flakes off really easily but so I mean, cool. these two bases for me are are my bases. I mean, I love these two. Like, if I had to have just two, it would be my seventy eight with rounds and my sixty eight jazz with flats. Mm. And yeah. I would miss a P bass for sure for certain things. But these feel like me, and yeah. and that's yeah. something like anybody listening. Um, it's you don't have to always play a certain type of bass because someone says so. You have to play the thing that's that feels great for you. And that of course, if you're playing sessions, you have to do stuff that you have to play the instrument or the sound that's right for the tune. And I'm happy to do that. But if I'm making, 
making music with my trio, the orange goodness, or I'm making some music that I feel like is, is really connected to me. I'm reaching for a jazz bass. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Yeah. No, man. Yeah, I'm man. Like, I, I totally feel you. Yeah. And, and to your question of like, yes. uh, well, wait, what the, the, what was the question? I know what the, <laughs> I, I sort of like, I guess what it was, but ask it anyway, just in case it isn't obvious for everyone. Here's the thing, Scott Divine, P bass guy. Okay, yeah. you're doing you're you've you're not loving a P bass, but then you decide I'm gonna do the P bass thing and I'm gonna be different than all these guys, right? And you do the P bass and you're dyed in the wool P bass guy forever. Then that sneaky four string Ken Smith with the frog on it makes an appearance. Oh yeah. And yeah. things start to get interesting. You Is that, start to was buy that the bases. Was it that Ken Smith? <laughs> I think it was, wasn't it? I think it was, That's, dude. I think it was, I mean, wasn't been, it? Yeah. I've been paying was, attention yeah. a long time. And then you got that Fodera back that you know i know that you're giving away but then yeah then you went active modern bass crazy you're buying stenbecks you're you're F you're buying bases. f bases you're yeah you're buying manets you're buying oh. you know oh, and, yeah, and so my question to you is have you abandoned the p base <laughs> and and if you have if you have why you know what? Say, so, oh man, this is a really, I guess, sort of like there's there's multiple, there's multiple <laughs> reasons what's going on. So fir first yes. off, I think like maybe it started. The start of it could be that there's a lot. Everybody's playing P basses. Yes. And I'm going through that same thing as Interesting. I did ten years ago. I was like, oh, well, everybody's doing the E to C thing. I, I don't want to be yeah. like everybody else. So, like, part yeah. of me, that could be part of it. I think that mm -hmm. is part of it, right? I'm just sort of yeah. like, wow, kind of everybody's playing a P-Bass now. And when I started playing that P-Bass back then, nobody was playing, like... That's right. Like, just, nobody was doing that. It just wasn't that era. It was like, right. nobody, like, it was just on the cusp of everybody freaking out over Pino Palladino and that whole wave yes. of stuff happening. It was just after that that I started playing it. So there's definitely part of it, like, looking around thinking, well, everybody's playing P basses. Eh, maybe I don't want to be like everybody else. So there's definitely mm. that that's part of it. Um, and... And the other part of it is maybe just sort of like exploration of, I've been playing P-Basses for a long time, so just exploring, yes. maybe just trying to find out, well, if it isn't a P-Bass, if I'm not going to do that, what am I going to do? And and then also, well, I think they're the sort of like the two main contributing factors, but I would also say that another one is that I'm not, in terms of like SBL, I'm not at the the front of it on my own all the time now. Mm -hmm. Stick yes. with me, stick with me, right? Because I got you. what's really, I guess, sort of, I think important for me is that, like, I have a uh, an identity as a musician, and, the, and and for me, that's sort of like tied into the instrument. And I think that when people view somebody, it, they have, they they there's a few different things that they attach themselves to. First of all, yeah. you know, the vibe of the person, what they say, right. you know, do they culturally sort of like align visually? What do they look like? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, right. Are they sort of yes. like, are you like me? I know this is kind of sort of like basic stuff, but are you like I me? Know. But then so also true. is like, what, what do you say, what are you saying on your instrument? And I think that it mm -hmm. can be confusing to people 
if if somebody's jumping around lots of different instruments all the time. I know. I think I it can that. be a little it's, confusing. Like, it's like people are just like brand. Yeah, just tell me what you do. Do you know what I mean? I want to know what you do. do you I mean, I'm trying to think of yes. sort of like somebody. Uh, I'm trying to take it out of base and think and think about some another kind of uh, maybe a car or something like Steve McQueen, right? Well, can you imagine if Steve McQueen wasn't driving that badass car and he was just driving loads of different cars? I mean, yeah, no, I Steve, you've got to drive I that know, car. dude. I so know. So it's kind of like that. So all that to say, because I'm not sort of like the main figurehead of SPL mm. on my own, I kind of feel that sort of like I've got a little bit of, um, I don't need to, okay, I, it'll, I'll say it like this, this will be a better if I was like, actually, I need to be front facing on SBL a lot more yes. and really be plowing sort of like Instagram and Facebook mm. and YouTube every single day and making sure that I'm doing that thing. Yeah. If anybody's thinking, well, you do do that thing. Well, a lot of the, per you know, a lot of the stuff that we do is repurposed and now Ian's in the mix as well. And there's stuff like, yeah. it's not as full on as it was, but if I right. was, if I decided, you know, I'm actually going to plow and I'm going to, you know, be that front facing figure, I would probably part of that would be i need to make a decision i can't i don't want to confuse people it needs to be clear what i am yes. the value proposition needs to be clear oh he's that guy he's into that thing and because i think it, it's i think it's i'd much more i'd much rather repel some people and be for mm. something than be for nothing Stand for right? a thing. Yes. exactly so if back in the day it was oh. like it was all about the p base it was all about the b15 it was always i mean it was like yeah. that vibe and i was and i was also saying but you can also play cool stuff on this stuff even though it's like the vintage stuff you can also play these modern lines that was my stance and maybe that still is my stance but i've just it's maybe <laughs> because i've got like a little bit of more freedom <sighs> I yeah. can be a little bit freer with my instruments and stuff like that, but I definitely will at some point gravitate back to just one instrument. I know I will because I just did that in my past. I had like a fretless. Yes. It was the only bass I had for like four or five years. And yeah. then I played a, this other bass and that was the only bass I had before. So right. it was, and I kind of like that. I like getting under the skin of a bass and just sort of Having like... Having a, a period with a bass kind of, yeah, like a, I really a zone. Enjoy yeah. Exactly, yeah. I enjoy going mm. through that experience. So for me... Just to answer that question, it's it's a bunch of different things, but yes. have I have I moved away from the P base? I don't think so. I don't think so. I think it's I think it's still my main thing. Or like yeah. like I always get on a four <laughs> string. There's never yeah. any time in my entire life that I've been playing a five string or a six string, not picked up a four string and thought this is home. <sighs> I've never ever never yeah. ever. It's always the first that's thing right that happens. I'm like this yeah. is home. This is, this is where I belong. Yes. You know, so. And you know, I mean, I'm kind of just giving you crap. Of course, I know that P bass is heart. And like, you know, if you're playing with a, a certain <laughs> thing that requires it, you're always going to come back to that. I just actually get a kick out of it. I get a kick yeah. out of seeing the trajectory and the exploration. And I will say something for me that is very convicting that you just said of like choosing an instrument, choosing something that doesn't confuse people. I am, that was really convicting. I am terrible with that because I have so many instruments and I'll put up a post with a certain thing i'm playing a p bass i'm playing a jazz i'm playing that voren saku short scale i'm playing a serik i'm playing a 12 string i'm playing a fretless i'm playing like I'm a, I, I'll, ch I'll challenge yeah. you man I i'll challenge okay. you i think that <laughs> okay. i'll challenge you in that i think that that collection of bases is your thing yeah. I, interesting and if, and if, yeah and if you think about it aesthetically it's not confusing at all 
So right. you've got like the the vintage P bass things, and you've got the yep. you've got the vintage jazz bass things going on the seventies yep. jazz, been the Vorin Saku, and that's kind of got like a vintage vibe. And then you've yeah, got the you're Rick right, and you're right, it does. It's all yeah, it's true. all kind of got a similar feel, vibe, and sort of like aesthetic, right? But if you one day were playing sort of like your four string seventies, and then next day you're playing your modulus, I mean your uh, your cubicky, and you like slapping it because you've got that cubicky, <laughs> right? But isn't it interesting yeah, that that I doesn't do. that doesn't come out so much, right? That, so you know, and you like slapping, <laughs> and then suddenly you're like on your sixth string, and you're like tapping and like whittling, like that would confuse people. They would be like, Alison, like, are what, you? who are you? What do you even mean? Like, because it's, yeah. it's, it, you've got to say something. You've got to yeah. say something. You've got to stand for something. You you can't right. just be the you can't be the everything guy. Because that's the nothing guy. That is basically, <sighs> that's just not, is standing for nothing. People are just <sighs> like, oh, that yeah. guy who just stands for nothing. Maybe you're right. I think that, oh, dude, I hear you say that. And, and part of me knows that, that aspects of that are right. And part of me really wants to push back against it. Do it, Because do I it. think that like, well, 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 I just think about it in lanes, right? So mm. like if the, I were playing with an artist where like a bright kubicki thing were the thing, I would do it. If I were oh, playing with yeah. a big sludgy rock band where that 12 string were the thing, I would do it. Like, I have a value around the chameleon session musician. I used to think this is so terrible for brand. And, <laughs> and it's probably self-sabotage. I used to think, I'm going to go on this gig and you're not going to know who I am. You're not going to know what I'm good at because I'm only going to do this thing. Like, mm. I'm going to go on a country gig and you will have no idea that I own any other bass other than this, you know, this P bass. You'll have no idea that I can do anything other than play root fives with a drummer. Yeah. You'll have no idea. Yeah. Yeah. And then they would see something on Instagram like, hold on, dude. Like, or I would play in a hard rock situation and I would, yeah, you know, so, so it's, but it is confusing. I know, I know that. Well, but I, I have think this that thing of like, when it's the right thing for the gig, I only want to do that or for the song. I yeah. only want to do that. You know, I, I, know. I, I think I think that, I think it's different. So I think that it depends on whether whether you're doing that professionally as a music. Yeah. I think it's slightly different doing it professionally as a musician. I think that you can get away with more. But I think that yeah. if you are going on like a front face and social media site and you are looking to um, you're looking to attract people, right? Let me just plug my laptop in before it dies. You're looking to attract people to your yeah. vibe. I think that yeah. you, it, it's it's a lot easier if if you if it's clear it, yes. what you're into. I think that so. For I'll give you an example. So, and it, no, and you know, and it's a shitty example, but I will give you it just as sort of like because I think people are super Please. simple and like we are simple humans, right? So you're yeah. really in, you're a shred guy. You're a shred guy, and you go on to Instagram and you find this guy and he's got this six string and he's blowing your mind and like, you're like, what yeah. the boom? Yeah. Follow, you know, yeah. and then. Like the next day, you know, you see one of his videos come up, same thing, shredding, and then suddenly something else comes up, and it's sort of like a completely different vibe, and he's and he's playing sort of like country vibes, right? It's good, dunk, like, dunk, huh. dunk, dunk, and you're like, it confuses you. You're like, ah, oh. like I'm not I saying it's this bad. This person was this, yeah, right. right. I'm not saying it's, it's bad. It's more I just confusing. Think, yeah, I think that cycle psychology in terms of how how you grow followings online i think that the mm. devil's in the detail i think that yeah. it, it's it's everything it's and i think so like, like i'll take you for instance as an example why you are a real 
Um, and then also, no, I think that you're probably the best example of this, actually. You've got sort of like a very particular aesthetic style in terms of yeah. the instruments you play. And I think that that set, that doesn't confuse people, even though it's different bases. Right. People know it's you. They're like, you've got mm. the thing and it's not whittle. It's like, it's crazy effects. It's sonic experimentation. They're like, mm -hmm. oh, yeah. they love that. Right. And then yeah. also uh, the way you dress is always very, um, what's the word? It's, um, it's like one day you're not there in your, your Adidas, um, tracksuit. And then the next <laughs> sure, day yeah. you've got, right, There's it's, a thing. Con it's consistent, right? <laughs> so it's consistent. So I think yeah. that what we're saying here is sort of like with people, when you're trying to grow that, that following, it's really important actually to be consistent. You know, mm, mono yeah. neon is mono neon and it's he's consistent, right? He does yeah. his lines and he dresses the way he does. And that is yeah. like, if, if suddenly like mono neon starts rocking up and he's got sort of like a dressing gown on and he looks super boring and he's just like, well, that's going to confuse me. I'm, I'm like, yeah. Huh? Or, or imagine Corey Wong playing a Les Paul. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, and playing shred so on weird. it. Playing shred. Like, <laughs> yeah. like sweep, sweeping licks. Yeah. Like Slash I, with it slung really low, you know? Yeah. Like just, just bends, bends and, with and, tons of gain. <laughs> and just as a caveat as well, if anybody's thinking, well, this sounds like, like not great. I mean, it's like, I'm not saying it is great or it isn't great. I'm just saying like, this is what humans are like. I mean, this is. I agree how, with you. You know, yeah. I'm not saying it's good or bad. I'm just saying like, if. You, uh, if somebody came to me and they were like, "Hey, I'm trying to grow a following and stuff like that," you know, and they really wanted to get into the cracks of, yeah, uh, of like things that might matter. This stuff might matter. And look at people yeah, like Gary right. Vee, or you know, yeah, man, they've, they've got all the stuff when, going on. Yes, I remember talking to Corey about this, and he played a big jazz box hollow body. He played a telly. He had a bunch of things, but whenever he would play the strat and would do the funky rhythm thing. He said, that's what people responded to the most. So he was, he didn't decide from go that he was going to be a strat guy. He decided based on the feedback that he was receiving, what was resonating the most. And he said that someone told him once that, Hey man, do that Corey Wong thing. And he was like, excuse me, what I am do you Corey think Wong. that is exactly? <laughs> yeah, like what? What is that? Like, what do you think that is? Like, oh, like the funky strat thing. And he was like, oh, you know. And then he really leaned into that. And I, yeah. dude, I have thought about that a lot for myself. Of like, man, I wonder if I need to just choose, like, really just choose the two jazz basses or the, you know, the Voren Saku. I mean, I play that big Gibson hollow body too, and I, sometimes I feel like I'm sort of cannibalizing my, you know. <laughs> Remember, no, there's a drummer. Think, no, you don't think so? Well, that's no, cool. Man. That's cool. I, I think that there's a drummer that we follow each other, and I did like a tapping thing on a Spectre, you know, because I love Spectres because of my love for 80s stuff. And he was like, how have you been hiding this? Like, I, I did this like... Was it the, 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 yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was yeah, that dude. thing. And he was like, what? Like, hold on. Who are you? But there's part of me that sort of delights in that, that like there's a couple hidden features under the hood. <laughs> <laughs> like a, it's like an eject button on, on Bond's uh, car. Yeah. I mean, it's <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> but, it, but it's probably part of my deep-seated, um, you know, like self-sabotage problems, uh, you know, of like, oh, I don't know that I want to commit to this thing fully. I'm going to do a bunch of things and keep you guessing. I mean, ah! I <laughs> love it, man. I appreciate I your it. encouragement, man. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love it, man. Dude, do you need to bounce? Because you've got this session to go to, haven't you? Yeah, gotta got to roll out. I don't. I, I think I'm going to bring a J and a P. I'll let you know. <laughs> What should what, the, what, what should what should be the the closing the clo- the closing announcement to anybody wondering about a J and a P? Here's here's what I'm going to say, and then I want your I want your hot take too. My hot take is this: you have to play both. You have to know both. You don't necessarily have to like both the same amount. You're probably going to gravitate towards one or the other. But I think it's important to know where each one fits and how it fits you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think get experience with both and also take into consideration as well how baked into history they are and mm, and, and, and kind of respect that and also like how baked into other musicians history they are as well in that yes. they that's what they other musicians have come to love and respect that sound and sometimes yes. that's just what you've got to give them you know i've got like mark saunders up here who's the bass player for florence and the machine and uh, yeah. he was telling me this fantastic uh story about their second i think their second album and he said they'd done the first album they were the shit man he was like they'd yes. sold like they'd sold right. like hundreds of thousands or millions of records or whatever it was and he was like billy big balls and he said yeah. and he t- turned up to the studio <laughs> yes. and he's like got all of the rig there and he's got his like rack of five strings and he's just like yeah oh, we're yeah. done and he said the producer just just like basically walked up to him and just like handed him a p-bass and said this is what you'll be recording this album on this and he was like what <laughs> and then and then said oh by the way you're using a b15 he said and yeah. he was telling me this story he was like in the studio rack of five strings all the amp, oh, yeah. the, the, the amp, the amp the maker stuff. had sort of like delivered all of this stuff to the studio, and the engineer was like, "Here's the P bass you'll be using during this record." Unbelievable! <laughs> and he was like I love quite that, kind of like assertive, and like Mark was yes. like young, and he was like, "Okay," and he said, <laughs> and he said that he played yeah. it. And he said he hated it to begin with, and he said he absolutely fell in love with it. And he said it sounded amazing with the band. He said it sounded amazing, you know. Yes. um, And there's there's too many stories of that. There's too many stories. Yeah. Sean Hurley, right? Yes. Yeah. And bear in mind, everybody, the sound soloed is not ever typically the context of how you're going to hear your instrument. You need to use a sound and pick a vibe that is going to sit within the context of the ensemble recording song artist that you're playing with. If you are able to make that choice, not a selfish choice of what feels better to you in the bedroom, and it doesn't have to be a P, it doesn't have to be a J, it can be all kinds of things, but you need to be looking for the sound that makes everything else sound better. Play the bass that's going to make everything else sound better. And the bass that maybe doesn't make everything else sound better, it's fine. Play that on your solo record. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's fine. I had the same experience as as you with the... with the guy telling you to uh, handing you the bass, the P bass, and yeah. you're playing it and it sounded better. Same thing yep. for me. I was down in London doing a session and we recorded all of the tracks. And then the yeah. guy was like, can you just try playing mm. it with this bass? The engineer, right? And it was this. <laughs> yeah. And I was there with like a 
2,500-pound sexy thing with a spalted yeah. maple top. Oh, and he was yeah, like, oh, it was so spalted. And he handed me this bass, <laughs> and it was like, it was it was a, it was a squire or similar, and I was like, mm. what? Anyway, I wasn't, I didn't outwardly say that, but I was like, oh, okay, I'll record it. And then I it's played just it, and I was this. just like, it killed it. Yeah, it sounded way It's better. epiphany, right? You're like, oh, yeah. no. And then you realize, like, you've been, I've been living a lie. <laughs> <laughs> like in the shower, scrubbing yourself. <laughs> yeah, it is a pretty humbling experience, man. Because, yeah, you think that thousands and thousands of dollar instrument that you have. You know, I had my modulus. You had, was it an overwater? I mean, yeah, maybe, overwater, you know, something. Yeah, yes, yeah. very spalted. You know, or your Fodera. I hear that, too, about people that play, you know, well, I paid $9,000 for this Fodera. It should sound really good in the studio. Well, it's not that it doesn't sound good. It just may not be the right sound for the particular blues yeah. band that you're playing with, right? Exactly, you know? like, yeah. 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 It's, 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 a, it's a weird thing that when you finally wrap your head around the, 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 the price of the instrument has nothing to do with how it actually sounds in, 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 so in real true. life. Like, literally, it's you can really rock true. up with a $20,000 Fodera and you can rock up with that two hundred dollar, um, like P bass, and yeah. when you play it, I mean, especially in, if you're working with an engineer that's doing sort of like a lot of you know, kind of like modern day pop pop music and so, like that thing, mm-hmm. they're probably going to be like play the two hundred dollar P bass. I know, it's I know, no, yeah. And it's nothing, such a mind job in the beginning. Yeah, yeah. But then once you embrace it, it's powerful, right? It's powerful. Yeah. Then you can, you know, you, you don't have to necessarily spend $20,000 to get a great instrument. You know, you could spend 300 bucks and get a cool P bass and do sessions with it for years. Mm-hmm. So yeah, think about, I mean, I guess that's maybe the takeaway, right? Think about the environment and the vibe, what you're playing and what's the instrument that's going to fit into that. Uh, and, yeah. and use that instrument. It's going to make a lot of people happy. It's going to keep getting you, getting your work. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong also just to add, there's nothing wrong with like boutique bit bases either. Do you know what I mean? Like no, with the E to C's and cool. these like $20,000 bases. Take a, uh, an example, like somebody like, I don't know, uh, John Patitucci, right? So John yeah. Patitucci, when, if you're going to go and see John Patitucci do his thing on his six string bass, same mm. deal, right? If he's, Playing a P bass and you and you've gone along to to hear him do this sort of like fantastic crazy improvisation over giant steps, you're gonna be like, oh, like what where's, is this? It, where's the a, big six string? So it's yeah. the same, right? It's the same both ways. Yeah, you've got to know same. what. Yeah, it's the same. Know what you're going into. Yeah, and I've worked with producers too that really like a modern sound. They want the Spectre. I have a Lakeland that is bright and modern sounding with big sustain, big you know five string. They yeah. want that. It fits the music. It's maybe like a more of a smooth thing where the bass isn't occupying as much mid range because there's mm. going to be keys or you know like it's all good. It's all valid. It all fits somewhere now it's just your job to figure out where it fits and what kind of music that you want to be a part of right exactly and then that, yeah. bring that instrument into that fold yeah and on that note dude it's time for you to go and bring that instrument into the fold <laughs> yes it is <laughs> alright dudes thanks for listening we'll see you next time take it easy bye thanks everybody thanks everybody